Hi, everyone. I'm Aviva Rumani, and this is Kindred Cast, featuring insights from deal makers and thought leaders from the world of tech, media, and everything in between. Kindred Cast is a production of Kindred Media, powered by LionTree, a global merchant and investment bank. Today, we feature a conversation between the supermodel, philanthropist, and businesswoman Naomi Campbell and LionTree CEO Arya Borkov. The pair discuss the impact of the pandemic on New York City and around the world, as well as the lessons she learned from her late mentor, Nelson Mandela, which she continues to build upon across all of her endeavors. We wanted to let you know that Kindred Media has also launched a new daily newsletter to point you towards the most thoughtful, insightful, and entertaining content for you, your teams, and your family. To sign up for Take a Break with Kindred Media, just click on the link in our show notes. And now, here's Arie and Naomi Campbell. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm Arie Borkoff, the founder and CEO of LionTree, which is a merchant bank that focuses on creative industries and the digital economy. And I'm thrilled to be joined virtually today by Naomi Campbell, the icon, trailblazer, and force of nature, and someone that I've really come to know and appreciate since we met over the holidays, and has been one of the people getting me through this crisis that we're all in. Naomi is considered one of the most famous and successful faces in fashion of all time, and is, of course, a businesswoman and philanthropist, as well as a voice of reason and wellness. Thank you for joining us today, Naomi. Thank you for having me, Ari. My pleasure. Well, obviously, we're in this COVID-19 crisis, maybe the middle phases of it. So how are you doing and how are you getting through it all? How am I doing? I'm doing good. I'm blessed. Adapting. Once I understood what we were about to go through, just had to adapt and take each day as it comes. And most importantly for me, myself, I have to make sure I'm in positive mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. And how have you been able to do that? Has your routine changed a lot day to day? I, I was talking to a CEO friend today who said he doesn't know if he's working from home or sleeping in the office because obviously everyone's very busy these days. How's your routine? How's your day been like today? Very, very busy. <laughs> I spoke to people from South Africa, Kenya, Ghana, and it's busier than ever and the calls go later into the day but you know what again i'm grateful i like to be active i don't think i can ever say i've been bored in my entire life and i see that you're here in new york city which is in a lot of ways the hotbed of the crisis does it feel heavier to be in new york or do you feel more grateful i know you had an emotional experience when you saw the cruise liner and the naval ship come in Tell me about the experience of doing this in New York and getting through it in New York. It's a similar feeling, even though I was not here for 9-11. But I've understood and heard it's a similar feeling in that respect. You know, I feel there's much more unity among the people. I'm not in the heart of the city, so I can't hear the banging of the pots at 7 p.m. each day. So I'm my sense of the city is... I'm seeing a lot of people that come out onto the pier. It's hard to keep people in and still have a small apartments to be inside. New York, you're on top of each other. So the city's dealing with it best 
they can. But I think Governor Cuomo has been pretty amazing. It's been amazing. The leadership, obviously, in the state has been phenomenal. I think partially because it's just so honest and transparent. I mean, when you're going through an unprecedented crisis like this, I think all you want to know are the facts of the moment and how you can take that in and then really adopt it into your own life and deal with it as best you can. No one has the answers of when we're going to be safe or when we're going to be really cured, but we hope it's soon. So I think you just look for any kind of leadership or inspiration that you can. Is that how you're feeling? Yes, definitely so. I'm in a place of I only want to speak with people and are positive. There's no time for anything else. We have to think positive. We have to think forward. We have to deal with the best of the situation. And we're blessed and we have to help others. Yeah, and I think we also do that for each other because the positive energy fuels our forward motion of what we can get through and where we could go from here, I think. Routines help. Having a routine helps. Like in the morning, it's get up, hit my floor, pray, shower. You know what? I love it. I love structure. I'm loving being still. I'm constantly flying around the world. It's no big deal for me to get on a plane for 48 hours and fly to Cape Town and back. More time in the air than I was on the ground. Do it all the time. But now it's not the time anymore. And so I'm really enjoying this time of reflection and embracing the unknown and trying to think of things you want to change within yourself to make your life more simple. It's cleaning out the mind, decluttering the mind, basically. Yeah, I think that people are surprised when they look at you and say you're so accustomed to traveling around the world that you could be at peace and happy with being in one place and still be very productive. Did you surprise yourself that you've gone from one extreme to the other and you can still adapt to it? Am I surprised? I know about myself. I am able to adapt to situations. I think that goes back from my childhood, born in London, raised in Rome, raised in Geneva, back to London, traveled to see my mother who lived within Europe and part of the Middle East. So all my life, since I was three months old, I've been on a plane. So I'm used to it. And I guess that's why, as an adult, when I'm not working, I also travel for personal reasons because I, I love to explore and learn new cultures and see new places. I want to be able to say, when I look at the globe, I've been there, I've been everywhere. I want to be able to say that. And so I still have it in me. But here you are in New York, which obviously is one of the places that you call home and that you feel at home. Are you able to really take all those cultures and be settled where you are right now? Those cultures are embedded within me. Talking to the continent of Africa today, I felt so close and connected. And I speak to London every day. I speak to one of my aunts in Jamaica. And I'm here in New York City. New York City is the melting pot for every culture. We all fit here. You know, we all fit. Do you think it's going to continue that way post this crisis? Yes, in terms of cultures fitting and being a big melting pot like it's always been. I don't see why that should change to you. No, I feel like there's still tremendous energy as a gathering place. I think it's going to be bursting with creativity because now 
that younger generation who couldn't have that opportunity is now going to get their chance. And that's really thrilling to know. I don't like the one to say the word exciting, but it is anticipating and thrilling, exciting to see what this new generation is going to bring forward to show how we adapt with this new world. Because let's face it, it's not going to be the same. We have to change in some format and it will be part of our lives the way we change. That's just going to be it. Yeah. A lot of people are worried about New York coming out of this crisis, given how much trauma there's been. But I feel like there's so much of the human spirit that's embedded within New York City that is really itching to come out again. And as soon as we can get outside and really engage with each other and find new ways of gathering in safe ways, I think you'll see New York come right back. We have to all be on the page of, we have to be extra diligent when we come out. That's the real sensitive point because if not handled correctly, then we're gonna be right back for longer. We need to be more united then coming out than ever before. Yeah, it's a real rallying point. I think there's a change. There came a point where people weren't looking people in the eyes anymore. When I first came to New York in 1986, it was incredible. What an energy on every corner, music, dancing, art. It was just bursting. So I feel that it's missed that for a while, for a good few years. Yeah, it's almost reminiscent of how the 1970s must have been like in New York, where, yes, it was not necessarily pure and gentrified, but it was bohemian and full of energy and creativity and wasn't just a one industry town, had every industry thriving in New York City. Probably we'll get back to that in some really strong sense after this. I hope so. Yeah. Well, one of the things, Naomi, I noticed during the quarantine is that you've been sharing quite a lot of your intimate world lately. Obviously, there's been the No Filter with Naomi on YouTube, which we'll get into, but even on Instagram and in other ways, You've been really expressive of your authentic self and the way that you're getting through this. I know you've been in the public eye since you were 15 years old, but in this way, you're sharing your experiences and your viewpoints and your wellness and your tips. Is this a new phase for you? Actually, I've been doing movies and theater and commercials since I was five. So you knew me, but you didn't know me. I kept my privacy, even though my job is public. Having been offered over the years lots of different deals oh you know Naomi we'd love to offer you some money that we can just take your life and you give us your story and I'm like nah it doesn't work for me why would I do that (laughs) but I know that I have a colorful story I'm I'm aware of that I wouldn't do it when YouTube came to me with Derek Blasberg and Robert Kinkle I thought well I kind of like that I get to own it and it's my content, so that works for me. I'd already, in 2013, experimented with doing The Face, which was a reality show about mentoring models. So I kind of got a taste of this reality then. I loved the part of mentoring models. That was the best part of all, and watching them grow and blossom and be a success. As we know, it's a double-edged sword, so when they start digging into your personal life to promote the business, I'm like, I'm not sure about that. So now I'm showing people now myself more than I've ever done in the way that I really am. Yeah, the authentic Naomi. Yeah, but I mean, I've always spoken up, RIA, so speaking up has never been an issue. 
for myself, for my race, for diversity. People have this fixed image of you, especially if you're a model and it's also a picture and it's an image. And when I would go to the grocery store, people are like staring at me like, what are you doing here? What am I doing here? I'm buying my groceries just like you. <laughs> well, you've also been incredibly outspoken on a number of issues, but first, really that's germane to this time is health and wellness. I mean, you've always been a health nut. And it's just really come to light in a way that is in tune with the moment and so relatable for so many people. You had a YouTube post about your plane ride from the West Coast to the East Coast that had, I think, half a million views within 24 hours on YouTube. And you've been talking about your vitamin routine and how you prepare for flying and how you think about germs. And uh, that may have been going on in your life forever, but for everyone's life right now, it's become the focus, including mine. Now I'm all about the vitamins and probiotics and taking care of myself. I wasn't like that before as much, but you've always been that way and people are interested. So there's kind of a, a syncing up of your life and your philosophy of doing things. And Don't get me wrong. We are what we eat. We are what we consume and put in our bodies. And no, I'm not every day remembering to take the vitamins, but you know, I do it in balance. As far as the travel goes and the hygiene, I've been doing that for close to almost 20 years. And I feel that I got inspired when I was in Japan. I used to go to Japan a lot. I had like, lots of contracts there back and forth. And I saw it makes sense that they're wearing a mask. I just find their culture and their way and their hospitality is one of the best for me. So I started saying, well, yeah, I got to get off the plane and go to work and da-da-da, traveling 12 hours here, traveling 14 hours here. And so I said, these masks are right. So I used to wear for like 15 years this Pacific mask, which they don't make anymore. I've only got three of them left. This mask was a mask, but it was also like a humidifier. But you didn't dehydrate, so you still kept some hydration in your body and your skin. I would give a few out to some friends. I gave one to Bono once. I gave one to Whitney, and they were like, where did you get that? That's amazing. We got off the plane. Our vocal cords were still, like, you know, not dehydrated. And it's just been a thing that I do. It became part of me. I never thought and really cared what people thought about me or watched me doing it and what they thought. I publicly showed it for the first time last June. I was flying from Nice to Qatar. In June... I went a little bit more than the gloves and the mask and the wipes and the blanket to sit on the plane. In January 2020, I decided, I don't know why, that I should buy hazmat suits. So I bought from Amazon. I bought quite a few. And I also bought some goggles that wrap around and decided once they arrived to carry like three or four with me with the goggles and the gloves. It's but not, why? What gave you that sense in January? I really don't know. Wow, that's incredible. And so since January, I was carrying it and I would show to some of my friends, they'd be like laughing at me like, why did you buy that? And I'd be like, I don't know, but I'm carrying it. I yeah. never thought, REA, honestly, that I would ever use it. What you said before is that it didn't matter what people thought when you did those things that were important to you. But now that's flipped because everyone cares about this routine now because they're learning from you about ways to travel safely even before the standards are in place or whatever it looks like with the airlines you have taken care of your own domain and making sure it was safe and healthy for you no matter what circumstance we're in 
And that's been something that's very relatable for people right now, I think. When I did fly back to the East Coast, the stewardesses were not protected at all. And that's a scary thought. The lady collecting the passports, whether you're flying private or commercially, they're still going to collect the passports when you're international and they have to check them. They shouldn't have on gloves. These are easy ways to pass things on. There's so many things you have to think of. I know I carry probably an extra bag of weight because I do these things. Huh. But I really, in the big hemisphere of things, i rather carry that extra bag. You know, yeah. of extra bags to put my bag in because those bins are disgusting. We needed a recheck. And the unfortunate thing is the lives that we've lost. But this reset that we're about to have, we have to come out of this thinking more of the planet, more for sustainability, more of pollution. It's just so many things across the board that we have to be more aware of and mindful of. Yeah, we have to reset the standard higher to protect ourselves and protect our planet and protect nature. All of that, but less, we have to protect ourselves too. Yeah, exactly. Well, I wanted to bring up something that I think has been overlooked. And one of the things I love about you is that you always shine a light on the issues and the people that don't always get their own voice, whether it's in the continent, which we'll get to. But in this situation, I want to talk about how the coronavirus and COVID-19 has affected the African-American community. It's been 30% of all cases in the U.S. for COVID-19, which is disproportionately higher than the number of African-American people in the U.S., more than double. So what does that say to you? What does that mean for all of us? What leadership can we get out of this so we can fix this? Because it's a horrible fact pattern. It's tough. In these low-income housing, you've got people piled up on each other. It can be through an air conditioning vent, they're saying possibly now. It's just really... You had Michelle Obama who was promoting that program for healthy eating at schools to bring down the obesity in the United States of America. And that's all been now changed. And you have such a high rate of heart disease here. African-Americans and African-British, African people, hypertension and heart disease is something that's very high in our race. These are things we have to watch anyway. It's very unfortunate. It's very upsetting. The first state of the United States that I ever went to, my first model shoot was in New Orleans. Stayed at the Royal Sinesta on Bourbon Street. I don't know if that's still there. When I saw in Hurricane Katrina in 2005, the people that were walking the streets that had nowhere to go were African-Americans. And that really upset me. Call it whatever, nostalgia, an affinity to New Orleans, a special place in my life. I wanted to do something. So that's why I started Fashion for Relief in 2005, which is an organization I started that does relief aid and has done Ebola, has done many things. Now we're going into our 16th year. That was why I started it. So this reminds me in a way of seeing that. That's sad because obviously, while there's been a lot of progress in our world, some things haven't changed and that's tragic. So do you think there'll be a new wave of leadership, including from you, to fix this dynamic around the African-American community being disproportionately harmed by this? I want to be very clear. I'm not political and I don't want to ever get into politics. I've always promised President Mandela I never would. But it doesn't mean I cannot use my voice and that I will do. There has to be a change. There has to be. I mean, a change across the board. It's like I say in my business of fashion, 
When are you going to put the seat and let the person of diversity pull up and sit at the table and have equal opportunity in running brands? When? And for the healthcare system, most importantly, to protect families and people in our world and our cities to have the same access that everyone else has. They have to have the same access, the same benefits. Now these healthcare people are putting themselves out on the line. I hope that they help them and their whole entire families have benefits. I mean, I don't know exactly how it works in the United States. Do they? No, I think right now it's not working that way. And I think that one of the issues that we're dealing with is we've gone from a period of abundance to scarcity. And some of that scarcity is in the healthcare system and the kits that we're getting and the testing that we're getting. You could argue, and I would say that the testing that's finite should be disproportionately available to the hardest hit communities, including the African-American community, before it's available to others, to reconcile that a bit. I think that would be a good fix right now. Well, I live in optimism and hope, and they need to be recognized and treated better. And that's across the globe. Doctors and nurses need to be more appreciated. Whenever there's cuts, it always happens to them. Yes. So now I'd love to talk a bit about your voice and your influence and your channel, No Filter with Naomi. You have social channels, including Instagram, where you have almost 10 million followers and you have a voice and a reach, unlike many others out there, that's really special and unique. And then you have this platform that you've created now with, as you mentioned, Derek Glassberg and Robert and the YouTube team, which is No Filter with Naomi. And you've had phenomenal guests so far. Even over the last few weeks, you've had Anna Winter, Venus and Serena Williams, Cindy Crawford, Carly Kloss, Lee Daniels, our friend Puff, and others as well. And you're focusing not only on fashion, but also health and our environment and leadership. And I'm sure you have plans to even expand your content there. What got you really focused on having this platform? What's your objective? What's your dream for it? And what are some of the learnings that you took from it, from these conversations that you've had with these great people? Honestly. Ari, there was no strategy. Came up with this in two days. It's called mm-hmm. Derek. It's like, Derek, what do you think? I want to do this. <laughs> and the team came together and we made it happen. And it's most important always to remember, I may be in the forefront, but it was a collaborative effort. It was so much fun talking to everyone because basically you're talking to everyone in a relaxed state. No one's rushing anywhere. Everyone's present. And the focus is you and you are the focus and vice versa. It's just been really great. And the reason I wanted to do it was, it was almost like you're peeking in on the conversation. Because yeah. I'm not an interviewer by any means. But it was really like just having a peek into a conversation of friends that go back for so many years. At their most reflective moments during this period, especially, I think it was a bit of a blessing in timing because everyone has so much that they're thinking about right now about how the world's going to change and how they want to rethink things. And even in your interview with Anna, she said, and I know it was written up, that the fashion industry has to rethink its value system from the moment. So you're getting people during the moments of reset, which I think is the richest kind of conversation. Of course, I'm learning and understanding content, content, content is more valuable than ever could be. And I have a lot of content over 34 years. Never would think, my God, that content is valuable. Most importantly, For me, it was just sitting and talking with people that I admire, respect, care, and love, and just wanting to know how they are, and letting everyone else to also see, because again, they think we're 
lot accessible, that we are real, and just to give people something light and positive. I hear an ambulance in the background. You don't hear many, I must say. Yeah, but at this moment, it carries an extra weight, that sound, because you don't know what's yes, happening. it's true. It does carry an extra weight. You're absolutely right. It does. Yeah, yeah. So getting back to No Filter, when you are doing this, you said it, so it's a loving and warm conversation with your friends. Everyone's doing the best that they can do and the best that they know how. Uh-huh. And that's it. I think most importantly, you need to be your authentic self. Yeah. That's what's important. And if you're your authentic self, then whatever you do is going to come out right. There's yeah. no wrong or right, but it's just going to come out as you did it with integrity. That's it. Leave it there. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's so, fair. Yeah. There's chaos right now. And even in the fashion industry, I can't think of many industries, maybe fashion and sports in particular, are feeling very disrupted right now. And we're all longing for those flavors and those feelings. But the fashion industry has gotten totally reworked and disrupted, not just on the value system, but even the whole model. And can you imagine going back to a runway anytime soon with an audience? I mean, how do you think about those dynamics right now? I cannot think about going to do a fashion show anytime soon, actually. I've tried to work out in my mind how would they be virtual fashion shows. I am aware of a few people that have done this model in UK that does virtual shows, so you don't need us anymore. It's going to be very interesting to see all the models that come out of this, models of design, of how we can find another way around to be able to present people's collections. Yeah. Because the truth is, the way it is now, you build a set, you show it for 20 minutes, and then you're done with it. That is a waste. It is. It's a waste. Yeah, and the whole inventory model is obviously wasteful, and yeah, the direct-to-consumer model is where we're going. That's actually how you're doing No Filter. That's how we're doing this. We're going right to your audience, you know, right to the people that want to view the content. That's how commerce is working now, right? You go right to the people that want to buy it. You're getting a much more honest support and consumer and following because people want to follow you if they want to people want to listen to you if they want to no one's carousing them and forcing them and influencing them they're doing it because they want to i think people are going to make much more deep conscious decisions for themselves i read an article that said this is an environment not only for a reset but also maybe an accelerant to where we were already going to go in our life. So any decision that you were thinking about, whether it's a business model changing or your personal ambitions or your goals, it's a time to accelerate that thinking into the end game as fast as possible now. Don't hesitate. I don't think you should hesitate anyways. I don't really have expectations, but whatever I'm going to commit myself to, definitely I see it from the A to Z. Well, now you have a the beginning of a media platform not only with No Filter on YouTube, but also you are a judge and a consultant producer on Amazon's hit show, Making the Cut. And you have other outlets like your Instagram and so on. So there's the beginnings of a platform here for you. So I can tell you what I think that platform stands for. But I would love what to hear... What does it stand for, Arie? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> what does it stand for? Well, you, we have to put a list together. Well, I do workouts every day. Because I'm going to work out regardless. So I work out every day with my trainer on the iPad. And then I decide to share my workout with my peeps. 
I think it's important to move blood circulation. You need to move. It's get your dolphins going. It's good for your mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. And it's part of taking care of you. First and foremost, what I do is for my head <laughs> and my body. Yeah. So, yeah, I share that. Yeah, I share the workout on Instagram at noon. And I would switch over to YouTube at three. The wellness and the health is part of the platform from my perspective. Also showing the appreciation for the underappreciated. I think when you talk about what your work has been done over a number of areas, but with the continent and other areas we've been talking about. Africa yeah. means a lot to me. It is absolutely the emerging market. There's so much creativity in Africa and business to be done, and infrastructure to be set up, and yeah. skills to be taught, but it's worth it. They're loyal people. They're good people. The perception of the continent is so wrong, and that is something that does hurt me. So the thing I do once a year in Africa, we would have done it this beginning of April, is taking people there, showing them. You have to show them, physically show yes. them. They see it with their eyes and come back and speak differently about the continent. Knowing that many times I would speak to people about malaria, they couldn't care about malaria because it was like, oh, it doesn't really bother us or something like that on the continent, nothing to do with us. But now that there's a possibility that what's in malaria pills can help what we have going on now, it's their interest. And my fear is, as I already been told, that they're running low on malaria medication on the continent, which they need because the rest of the world want to take it or are taking it. And, you know, we have to remember there is no healthcare benefits or stimulus plan on the continent of Africa in 54 countries. And they, they live in a much different way. So social distancing would be extremely, extremely hard. I'm constantly every day checking up in the morning and to make sure it's going down. I'm very proud of how they've handled their lockdowns. When you hit the floor in Africa, no matter how you get there, they put a temperature thing to your head right in the airport, no matter who you are. That's right. That's what should be done all the time, everywhere. Yeah. We've been lucky because obviously we've both been following the numbers in Africa on the virus and they seem to be so far on check for what we know, but we don't know how it's going to transpire from here. And we're just hoping for the best. Really hope and pray for the best. And I'm praying for Africa because that will be an absolute disaster. It cannot happen. Correct. And also it'll be an issue for the whole world to focus on, but also it's a matter of food supply chain and making sure that everyone has the right resources and everything they need through this crisis, not just because of the virus, but obviously just functioning the business and sustenance as, as normal. I feel right now, there's a lot of people on the ground, as this is a world crisis, organizations that would normally be able to come in and support and are able to get there to support. But people are taking things in their own hands and there's a lot of wonderful things that are coming out of the continent that's happened during coronavirus, wonderful and positive things. You mentioned the late, great Nelson Mandela as being a mentor for you and more than a mentor. When you first met him, I believe, in 1990, tell me about the mentorship and what you've taken from the lessons that he's taught you and how you're passing them on to your mentees. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that's speak, use my voice is one of the things he always yeah. told me. I didn't get it then because I was in my 20s and I wasn't quite, I was like, why does this man even like me, care about me and embrace me? I couldn't quite get it. And I'm like, well, I'm a rebel and 
anyway, we just had a wonderful 20-year relationship of grandfather and granddaughter. There'd be many times we sit at the table, we'd just hold hands and eat dinner and not say anything. Um, didn't have to. What was important sometimes with the words he didn't say was also important when the silence is just amazing. Just being able to ask him anything and the way his constitution of not judging or not blaming anyone for what he went through, that person has really dealt with themselves to be able to go that deep and find that forgiveness. That's a deep forgiveness to forgive, and he did. And so... I think of him a lot in this isolation that we're in, and he gives me a lot of strength. And not only did I pick up The Long Walk to Freedom again after I first read it at 24, and now reading it again in 2020, it's a whole different meaning to me now than when I read it then. He sacrificed so much for his country and nation, but no complaints. So if we have to lock down to protect ourselves and our families and our loved ones, for a few months, it's okay. Because yeah. when you read a story like that, that goes for 27 years against your will, no freedom, you realize how blessed we are. We're still yeah. able to have a roof over our head and eat and use technology and have running water. We're privileged. Yeah, perspective is so important here, I think, because it's a terrible time, but we'll get through it. I won't even say it's a terrible time. It's just... It's a time, and we're going through this time, and we will get to the light at the end of the tunnel. That's how I look at it. I don't look at news too much. I don't want to, I know what's going on, I'm aware, but I can't have the chaos in my head. I want the peace in my body. I'd rather that. So it's music. There's just so many things that we can do to make ourselves feel good that we don't have time to ever do. Do it all now. Do it all. I love that. I love that. You don't want the chaos in your head. You want the peace in your body. I love that. So you must be a mentor, though, for so many people in the industry and otherwise. And I'm learning from you even now. Is that important to you to pass on that mentorship philosophy? I don't preach to anybody for anything. If, if someone wants to know something from me, of course. And there's my babies who are the younger models that have come into the industry that I absolutely adore. And I'm there for them for voice and for whatever it is they need me for. But let's get this clear, Aria. I've always said, and I will always say, I'm a work in progress. I am not perfect. I've been through my highs and through my lows. All I want and looking for is we look for balance. That's it. And we're building a masterpiece. Not perfect, but... We want to try to get it right in this lifetime as best we can. That's, it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> With a high standard for excellence. So I want to get to some fun things to finish up. Mm. The uh, music is really great. I know we both share that passion. So as we are working in our day-to-day, -day, our new routines, what kind of music are you going towards? Oh, I'm listening to everything. I've got such a collective taste of music. This morning in the bathroom, I was playing Janis Joplin. <laughs> <laughs> and then I switched to Bad Boy, 20th anniversary. Then I could go to Afro Beats, playing Burner Boy, Kid. Then I started working out to Amy Winehouse. Then I can hit Bob Marley on the weekends because it reminds me of growing up as a kid. Reggae very important in our household. Um, Jamaican Chinese ancestry was just like Bob Marley was our god, like when I was a child. So house music and I love hip hop. Anything that gives me good energy, makes me feel good, makes me dream. Dreams is important. I'm with it. I love it. <laughs> 
I love that. How about a movie or a TV show that you're watching now? Netflix or anything like that? Uh, okay, so last night I, I watched Netflix. I watched that great film that Robert Kenkin told us about last week. Yeah, Miracle in Cell 7. Absolutely love it. It's a Turkish film, but you should everyone should see it because it's got such a special message, Ari, don't you think? I love I mean, it. such a special message. Yeah, people should watch that movie. I understand why it's so loved and raved about. I watch all the usual crap TV shows. I want to see and be indulged in other people's lives for a minute. So, yes, I watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta, watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I'm watching my Quibi on my phone. I like these little 10-minute pun- I like punks. I love seeing jokes, practical jokes. I downloaded yesterday because I'm not technical, but I've learned so much about technical things. I downloaded the Brit Box yesterday because I was having a bit of nostalgia and I was missing some shows from back home. So I downloaded this Brit Box, which is great because it's all these shows that I grew up with that I can now watch. So, yeah. I mean, it's great. In between the housekeeping, I cook, I clean, <laughs> and I bake. <laughs> but I'm loving just being attached to my home and to my things because I felt like I treated my home in New York like a hotel. I didn't really know it or know where anything was. Again, it's another blessing. I'm privileged to have this place and I didn't really know it. I'm sleeping like one week a month. When you bake, what's your specialty? When I bake, oh, definitely flavors vanilla, hands down. Vanilla frosting, hands down. I love bananas. It was with a banana in there. I love cupcakes. I love cakes and uh, I love ice cream, whipped cream. I feel like on the weekends we should treat ourselves. I think we're working harder now here than we did when we're out. So yeah. <laughs> you should treat yourself to the weekend. Monday to Friday is very regimented. Saturday, Sunday is chill day, relaxed day. It's beauty day. It's taking care of my pampering day. That's what it is. Well, I have to say I am grateful that you took time out of your day to You're spend very it. welcome, Ari. Thank you, Brad. I've really enjoyed all of the things that you've been talking about today and every day in our relationship. And it means a lot to everyone that you're expressing your voice in such a true way. And we'll get out of this and we'll all have a chance to gather together. Thanks, Naomi, for being here with us. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed our show today. If you want to check out any prior episodes, find us and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Feel free to leave a review as well as it helps people find the show. You can also follow us on social media at KindredCast for behind the scenes photos and info. Listen to KindredCast on SiriusXM every Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern on Business Radio Channel 132 or stream shows on demand in the SiriusXM app. Audiation.